0: Manchester United score in the opening 10 minutes for the fourth time out of Ralph Radnick's eight games in charge. Is it a trend? Well, we'd certainly like to hope so. The first half, or at least the first half an hour, was very good away at Aston Villa, but unfortunately, not the three points, just the one with two late goals conceded. A real shame after an afternoon which showed plenty of promise. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast to Series 7, Episode 21 with me, Harry Robinson, and Jack Tate, as always. We will be talking about away, of course. We'll be talking about Rannick's in-game management, about uh, the promising signs I just referenced about Anthony Martial. We'll have a quick youth and loan roundup and then we'll be previewing two games uh, midweek away at Brentford on Wednesday night at a new stadium, uh, the Brentford Community Stadium, I think its official name is, and then at home to West Ham on Saturday. Jack, let's begin with uh, the good before we move on to the bad and the ugly. The good against Villa was plenty, lots of things to be pleased about, lots of things to be hopeful about. And I think uh, we can probably take it to, uh, how can we sum up the good? United had a a compact team shape, defended well for the start, created lots of chances, started really quickly. And there was an element of control for much of the game. Let's leave aside the fact that it was surrendered late on, but the first half an hour was really, really good.
1: The first half an hour was probably the most enjoyable spell of football Man United have had in a long, long time. Definitely since Solskjaer Solskjaer left and probably off the top of my head since maybe the Newcastle game. It has been the Newcastle home game. Let's just say not Newcastle away for sure. Yeah, Yeah, it uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch Man United. We controlled the game. We absolutely dominated Villa. We obviously got a bit lucky with the early goal, which I think definitely helped the team's confidence. And you could sort of see the the lift in the play. But even before that goal went in, you know, we'd started the game so strongly. We were quick out of the traps. We were flying around around the pitch, putting Villa under all sorts of pressure. You know, defensively, the press came back. But the press came back without being... Without being sort of maniacal, you know, it yeah. was the press was there, but it wasn't. It wasn't done in a way that was disjointed. It wasn't one player just deciding to go on their own. It was very cohesive. It was very joint up from midfield to attack to defence. It was everything that we wanted really from a the, this Ralph Raniel Man United team. The the chance creation maybe was the only slight area where we weren't at our best. You know, we didn't create a huge amount, other than Fernandez's goal that came from Martinez uh, Martinez's error, obviously, but. I think in general, you know, there was so much to be happy with from that first half, especially the first half an hour. Yeah.
0: And I think it does come down. we've been asking for to see less of a gap in United's team for so long, whether that's whether that gap's been caused by a one or two man press from the front and then no one following it up, or it's just been the defence and the midfield has been too far apart. And we absolutely didn't see that. We saw the opposite of it. Of it. And I think the way that Bruno Fernandes and Ralph Rennick both referenced it post match and spoke about it in some detail made me realise that that is the foundation of whether this team will be good or not is how compact can the team stay and against Villa in the opening half an hour it was brilliant and it was the longest that any team has taken to register a shot against Manchester United this season 32 minutes until Aston Villa had their first shot on target in a Premier League away match that is impressive uh, regardless of what happened afterwards although we will I guess
1: the team has been playing well recently as well
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. It's it's impressive. Um and I, I think it came down to the fact that yeah, there was very little space between the defense and the midfield and the press was done in a in 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 the right manner. It wasn't rushed, it wasn't done when everyone wasn't ready for it. It was if if we have the ability to go and press them we will. Otherwise we're not gonna go and, and be stupid about it. I think after thirty-two minutes we lost that team shape a little bit. And the other thing we lost was how well we'd retain possession because in the opening half an hour, the midfielders aside probably, who I think didn't have an amazing game, uh, Matic and Fred, but the rest of the team, the kind of common culprits for gifting away possession, Bruno Fernandes, Greenwood, and I guess Alanga would would normally be one as a a creative attacking player. They were pretty uh, patient in possession and pretty economical in what they were doing at least relative to normal.
1: I don't think I've seen United keep the ball as comfortably and in such a sustained yeah. fashion at any point in this season, to be honest, even in our good performances back right at the beginning of the year, it was, it was all a bit sort of cavalier from United as things have tended to be with this group of players. We kept the ball very, very well. We kept the ball without looking too threatening, but it also wasn't, you know, just com- completely empty recycled passes around the back. We looked dangerous without sort of creating too many real c- clear cut chances. Was probably the best functioning midfield that I've seen United have all season. I think I actually really like the, the Matic Fred combination in, in midfield. Matic towards the end of the game was, you know, one of the, the real low points. And I think one of the big culprits for us not hanging on. But in the, that first half, what he offers us with his control on the ball and his ability to, to make progressive passes consistently is a really, really big factor, especially when we we're playing against teams where you would expect us to control possession. And it it really showed that first half we had complete control of the game, both in and out of possession. I thought it was, you know, despite how the game ended, which ended you know terribly. And I personally was very, very annoyed coming out of that game with a day to sort of reflect and look back on it. I think you really can only take, well, mostly you can take positives from that game because I think it built on some of the better things that we saw in parts against Aston Villa in the FA Cup at the start of the game and we we built on that further, you know, it needs to become more sustained, but there are, I think these are the most positive signs that we've seen under Ranić since that very first game against Palace. And that's hopefully a, a good sign of good things to yeah,
0: come. I think so. It, it felt, interestingly, it was quite a different style of play to the opening half an hour against Palace, which was loads of uh, vertical passes through the lines, loads of that kind of uh, swarm pressing, against the touchline. We didn't see quite as much of that, which is interesting. Obviously that was in a, a different formation. That was the 4 triple two, the 2 the start of it. We've now reached the end of that that course and this was a kind of 4-2-3-1, kind of 4-3-3. Three, three. I thought Bruno Fernandes' role was quite interesting in that he we've seen a lot this season. He's pushed up right alongside the striker and sometimes he's done Ronaldo's running for him. Other times that's just been his role. And this, he was playing quite significantly deeper. Sometimes dropping in, Matic would be further back and then Fernandes would drop in alongside Fred in a kind of three-man midfield and it allowed him to be really creative. I did get the sense, and uh, the people I spoke to before the match will hopefully back this up for me, there was just a sense of, uh, maybe it's because Fernandes has played well at Villa Park before, but I just had this sense that Bruno was about to have one of his good games again. And it was so satisfying to see, because we, I mean we have missed Bruno being very good and, and he was excellent
1: yeah it was very very good best performance in a quite a while I I really really liked that deeper role that he played I think the 4-3-3 that we ended up with worked beautifully with Matic sitting a little bit deeper in sort of the number 6 role and effectively you had Fred and Fernandez as sort of two number 8s and I think it, it worked beautifully I thought I don't know if this was something that the, the position did sort of the tactical change did or whether it was just Fernandez personally sort of having a different game but it felt like Fernandez playing a little deeper it almost made him feel he has a bit more a bit more responsibility to keep the ball. You know, I don't yeah. know if it's because he felt that he had less creative burden on him not being in the number 10 role, but it felt like he his first instinct when he picked up the ball wasn't always to look for that, you know, amazing Hollywood pass over the top of the defense or through the lines. He kept things a lot more a lot more simple and that was a huge reason why our control of the game was so much better. And he did that without losing the creativity that he can bring. You know, when the the opportunity arose, he was still, you know, still our main creative presence. I really liked him playing a little bit deeper. I think it worked really well. And it also meant that I think the press was a bit more cohesive as well, a a bit less disjointed. Because when you have Fernandes starting from deeper, if he does decide to go and he is generally the player that, you know, is want to to start off the press quicker than others I would say I think it's easier for the likes of Fred to follow and even the fullbacks to follow when he's starting from deeper rather than starting from 10-15 yards further up the pitch I think there was it was a really nice tactical change you know it remains to be seen how long that continues going for but I think this has been a bit of a challenge for Ranik so far in in how he sort of deploys Fernandez and whether we play with a traditional number ten because yeah. we obviously in the four triple two haven't had a traditional number ten we have in the last few games as Fernandez has been there but we've suffered in our control of the game and I think actually seeing that you can play Fernandez a bit deeper a it worked really well and I think it also makes makes that team a little bit more easy to sort of bring players in and out. Definitely, others. yeah. Others can play that number 10 role, or sorry, that number eight role that Fernandes was in, whereas really we only have Van der that can play the number 10 role. Yeah,
0: and importantly as well, we're, we're now realising that Fred, as well as Scott McTominay, looks better further up the pitch, which, I mean, we, we probably all knew anyway, but the last few weeks have really demonstrated that. And that just again puts emphasis on how significant a deeper midfield signing would be to this team. I don't know the exact yeah. person who would be the right fit. And ultimately it's not my job to say to to know, as I've said many times. Um but yeah, it, it's emphasizing the fact that we could be getting even more out of players who are doing their jobs, Fred and McTominay and Fernandez if we made the right signing, which we should have made in summer and probably the summer before that and the summer before that. And looks like we might not even make in January. Um And that will hold us back on Fernandez. Yeah. I mean, the statistics back up what you're saying. I've only got the first half stats to hand, but he completed 27 of his 32 attempted passes. And the same was Greenwood 22 of 23, Alanga 13 of 15 for, for the creative players in the side. Those are, are good numbers. Um, they're positive. Um, and, and it was, yeah, we kept things simple. And you spoke about the Hollywood pass. We didn't have those kind of audacious chipped balls, the back heels or the unlikely crosses. We kept things simple. And you said it earlier, the way we retained possession was really nice. So, I mean, those were the, the kind of three tenets of it, keeping it simple in, uh, in possession, getting those early goals again. It's interesting. Four out of eight games is, 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 is significant to score in their first 10 minutes and finally that compact team shape um, so going forward we just need to see that held on for for longer I guess.
1: And and not being able to score early goals is one of the biggest downfalls I think that we had under Solskjaer we said so much that especially against teams that would sit back against us we'd end up you know inevitably going into half time at 0-0 and then you know the tension builds the team would sort of try too hard to create things and it would all sort of fall down that is a significant part of What's happened so far and and hopefully something that continues because I, especially when you have a team that has so many players who seem to thrive on confidence and seem to be swayed with their confidence, getting that early goal is a a huge, huge factor. And I think, you know, delivering some better first half performances. I think you saw it against Villa. We'd already started well, but the goal just seemed to lift us even more. And especially with sort of the energy in the the defensive work, I think getting an early goal is such a huge difference maker for how you then approach the rest of the game defensively. Yeah. I think you're dead right about the, the need for a defensive midfielder too, because we're seeing now, I think as we've seen Matic come a bit more into the fold in recent weeks, which has allowed Fred and McTominay, both as a result of Matic playing, but also as a result of this system that is a little bit more aggressive in defence and with the ball than what we had under Solskjaer, I think you're seeing Fred and McTominay and Fred in particular really start to thrive in a, in a more advanced, sort of typical box-to-box role rather than the sort of holding midfield role they've been asked to play. Yeah. And, you know, Matic, I thought, did, did well actually for, for 60 minutes against Villa and really helped sort of string that game together for us. But he... At his age, at the the level physically that he's at now, he can't be relied upon to do that for ninety minutes. And it was his man running off of him that was the catalyst for Villa's second goal. You know, that towards the end of the game, he was just so tired, and I was surprised he didn't get taken yeah. off.
0: I mean, uh, that, so, that's a that's a nice segue into uh, the, the bad after the good. The game yeah. management, and it it was so clear. I mean, I I thought Matic was good, maybe I don't, maybe not as good as you're saying, just in my opinion, but yes, there was a clear point where things started to turn and it was it was strange because after the break, Villa looked really good and they had a few shots and then it was about 55 minutes where we kind of regained some control and then we had 10 minutes of it and then suddenly you thought, no, this is going and it was so blatant that Matic had to come off and yet he stayed on and on and on and Ragnik delayed and delayed and that's when you concede when you delay. And it, it, this is a problem. I mean, Matic was, Matic should be doing better than that, but he was also hung out to dry. He was tired and he had too much ground to cover. Either something in the system had to change or, and Ranić said he thought about going to three at the back, but didn't because uh, he wasn't confident enough in it. Or all the personnel had to change. I felt van der Beek should have come on at about 60 minutes, it seemed obvious. We just needed to regain some control on it and and, and start keeping possession better. But this is a wider point about Rennick. The subs have been questionable. Uh, The the Villa FA Cup game we spoke last week, very good. They got us some control of the game back. We spoke about how in the six minutes of added time, it actually felt really calm, even though Villa had been putting us under pressure and, and that was down to the subs. But that's an outlier at the moment. Uh, the other substitution decisions have been questionable consistently. And, and I think that lost us a game, to be honest, not lost us a game. You can see how I feel about uh, a two-two draw. Uh, th- drew us the game, lost us the win, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I can I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, pretty much everyone watching that game could see that subs were needed and it was painfully obvious for a good 15 minutes, I think, before Villa even scored their first goal, the subs were needed. It was strange yeah. as well, given... So I agree with everything you're saying about you know Ranick subs in general have not been good at United so far. He's been he's often delayed too long before making changes, and changes that he has has made have been sort of head scratching. It was odd to see to see him sort of revert to that after acknowledging publicly how well his subs worked against Villa in the Cup last week. And how changing to that different different yeah. formation, not only did, did they help, but specifically helped in a what was a, becoming a similar situation, actually. Hanging on to a lead, this time it was 2-0 compared to 1-0 in the FA Cup, and needing to regain some control. Because in the FA Cup game, it was very similar. You know, we we're holding on to a lead, Villa was starting to dominate the game and have too many chances. And he, he brought van der Beek on, switched to a diamond, and we regained control immediately. You know, mm. we're playing... With the exception of Philip Coutinho, we're playing the exact same team here, and you know could easily have brought Van der Beek on. I thought for Fernandez and moved to a diamond. Yeah, and I, it was it was just odd that that wasn't something that seemed to be in his mind. He mentioned he was thinking of going to three at the back. It, and then what? And what was what was odd was that there was I, it's one it's one thing to to make the subs and they just not turn out yeah, well, yeah. you know. But at that point in the game. It, like the game was slipping away from us. Quite exactly, obviously, yeah. it was very, very painfully obvious that Villa were probably going to score in the next ten or fifteen minutes. So, change something. You know, there's yeah. no. It wasn't as if we were playing well, and you sort of don't want to disrupt the way that things are going. Things were already going badly. So, at that stage, you have to try something. If it doesn't work, but it also doesn't you work, could, but also work, we were going to concede if we didn't change anything. You could anyway. tell
0: they were delayed because first, Sancho comes on just after Villa scored their first goal. At which point, you're wondering, is. I mean, Sancho could have come on much earlier. Fine, good. But at which point you're thinking, is Sancho really the right person to come on here? And then by the time Villa scored their second goals, he's lined up his next subs. But then we're taking Bruno Fernandes off when we suddenly need a winner. Yeah, and you just thought, the whole thing made me wonder, is like is managing on the the touchline is clearly a great skill, but is making those instinct decisions just something you need practice for? And it, it almost certainly is. And it's worth remembering that Rannik hasn't been directly managing on the touchline for some time now. And maybe he just, he, he obviously spoke about maybe he was going to change the three at the back, but didn't. Maybe he just needs to find that confidence in his instincts again. Um And I hope he will find that. And I expect he will find that before the season is out. But it, it's interesting that maybe it's something that you just lose just that little little spark in that you need to either have the confidence or have the recent errors and recent successes in your head that make you think, yeah, that's the one.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's probably a combination of a few things. I think practice is definitely one. I think a lot of being an in game, a good in game manager is instinct to be honest, it's instinct. And just sort of having having the the ability to go with your gut and go through with the, your decisions and just live live with them if they don't work you know there's no guarantee that subs are going to work out yeah but i think you you have to have a feel for the game as you're there on the on the touchline and go with what what your instinct tells you and it's clear that ranic had some indecision in there I think the other thing as well is is knowing your squads and that's probably another aspect of this that's proving a little difficult so far. There are a number of players, Van der Beek, Lingard among them, that, you know, Raniuk hasn't had too much time with and hasn't seen them on the pitch all that much and that, you know, in those two players' cases is sort of down to him not playing them very much. But I think a combination of those two things of probably still not quite being totally comfortable with the squad. And then also being just very out of practice when it comes to sort of dealing with in game management is probably a big factor in why, why his subs so far really have been short of what we would expect. You know, I, I do have some sympathy, at least with the Matic thing in that we don't, we didn't have a great option on the bench because of McTominay's substitution uh, suspension. But, you know, at that point, he mentioned wanting to go three at the back. That was a very obvious change that you could have made you know we had uh, Harry Maguire on the bench very capable centre-back that could have come on go to three at the back Fred and McTominay have proven before that they are capable or, sorry not Fred and McTominay Fred who was on the pitch has proven before he's capable of playing in sort of a deeper midfield role there were a lot of options that we had at our disposal even despite the fact that McTominay wasn't there yeah so you know I think you you would hope that as time goes on both of those issues the being out of practice and not knowing the squad quite as well as you would hope would get would get better and improve as he, he became sort of more used to being on the touchline again. He he gets more acquainted with the squad, but you know, having said that, it has been two months now, and you know that's it's a, a decent chunk of time. Well, not two months, about six or seven weeks now for him. You know, with this squad getting used to the players back on the touchline, you know, you'd hope to see some improvement. And we did against Villa, but really, you have to say that that is the outlier at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: against Villa in the FA Cup, I'm talking
0: not this. Case. Yes. Yes. Uh, one positive we didn't mention at the start was Antonio Lango although we referenced him. He was great. He was composed. He showed really good decision-making. He accepted when he couldn't take his man on and then didn't just try it anyway. Didn't just punt it past him. He came back in and looked for the pass and carried on keeping the ball. When the chance was there to take on his man, he did do it and he did it with some success and I thought him and Greenwood I thought Greenwood as well showed better decision making than in other games there was still a couple where he probably should have crossed it instead of shot but in terms of just outside the penalty area his decision making I thought was good and his ability to keep the ball but yeah Alangua really exciting great work great great pace obviously but it was yeah it was the decision making and the, the composure which I thought was very good
1: Yeah, I thought he, he was a, a good performance without sort of doing anything Headline grabbing, he was very good on the ball. It reminds me quite a lot of his performance against Wolves at the back end of last season where he just, everything he did felt very comfortable. It felt very efficient. You know, often when you see young players come in, even comparing to sort of Ahmad Diallo when he's played, you know, Ahmad is clearly very talented, but it's all, everything feels quite, off the cuff and sort of helter-skelter which is, is great in a young player you know being that talented and quite raw but Ilanga felt very polished for a young player which was really good to see I think every time he's played in the few opportunities he's been given he's done very well ranyuk seems to really like him it was clear from the moment that Raniuk took over yeah. there were reports that elanga was someone that had impressed in training and I hope that he continues to get these opportunities because I thought
0: five five appearances now already yeah, which surprised me and, and you know not, come in, on in, in, not
1: in nothing games either You know, these are Premier League games that he's played in. He he came on at the end of the FA Cup game, obviously, but other than that, these have been, you know, serious Premier League games that he's been playing and not sort of League Cup throwaway matches. So, you know, I I think he's, he's, the future is bright for Ilanga in that he's made such an impression on the coach already. I think it, it's a really good opportunity for him. And he took it, like I said, without doing anything headline grabbing. I thought he, everything he did was was good. He didn't stand out in a bad way at all. He didn't look undersized or he didn't look like he was, wasn't up for the physical challenge, which is always difficult when you step up from from the under 23s. So yeah, I thought he did very, very well. And some some really good signs for him. I hope that he continues to get those chances because to be honest, he's not he doesn't look particularly out of place compared to the other options that we have at the moment.
0: Not at all, no. And it will be useful for us to have those options hopefully we see a bit of Ahmad soon Um, his future is a a little uncertain I think he's supposed to be going out on loan but finding a loan move in England has been difficult and he wants to play in England rather than go abroad even though Feyenoord are still interested in a couple of other clubs but yeah, Alanga good yeah, bad, ugly Anthony Martial situation I'm not sure I care enough to talk too much about it it seems Rannick maybe kind of messed up his words slightly when he said he refused to be in the squad and then Martial responded. And it, yeah, is is unclear, um, but it's ugly and it looks bad for the club and is another sign that the club is in mild disarray and mild is putting it kindly. And that's the strange thing is we can, at the moment as a United fan, you can have these kind of positives and and sources of hope from good performances or good half an hour but there's always that underlying feeling of disheartening, dispiriting realisation I think that so much of the club is still broken and that the foundations we thought the and Association had built quite strongly are turning out to be not so strong and that they were just as in the past we've papered over the cracks that they were maybe putting like that kind of foam that hardens up in your bathroom tiles over the cracks, <laughs> but that kind of disintegrates after a little bit of time, which is what has seemed to be yeah, happening. Just a
1: little bit of weed killer between the yeah. between the tiles, maybe yeah. on the on the driveway, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah the, Mar- the Martial situation is a bit of an odd one. You know, I I can only imagine that Ranick sort of mis they misused his words. You know, I I yeah. imagine there was probably some sort of conversation between Ranick and Martial where Martial reiterated his desire to leave. And then Ranjic sort of decided, well, if you're going to leave, you're not playing. And the way he presented it to the media was as if Martial would refuse to play, which obviously Martial quite rightly didn't take kindly to. It's a situation that, to be honest, I, the it, it's a situation, firstly, like you said, that is an, another example of the club being run just in in a pretty absurd fashion um, and, you know, making a meal out of yet another player's uh, situation. The one bright spot I think in all of this, and, and sort of in any player dealings that we have at the moment, is that I at least have belief that Ranyuk is fully in charge. Yeah. And what that means is that even, even if Ranyuk is making the wrong decisions, even if you disagree and think that Martial should stay, and to be honest, I don't. I think Martial is absolutely free to leave at this point. At least you can, we sort of know that Ranyuk is the one that's going to be here for a while building this team. And so even if Ranick does doesn't fall out with Martial or he leaves in sort of an ugly fashion, I at least know that this isn't going to be a decision that someone else is going to come in in six months and start saying publicly that, you know, we shouldn't have let Martial go. This was a bad decision, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that is sort of the one silver lining from all of this, is that probably for the first time in years, we actually have some clear, well clear-ish sense of who is in charge of sort of taking this team forward and planning for the future I say clear-ish because there's obviously still Darren Fletcher John Murta involved And sort of how the the division of duties is going to be between the three of them is still slightly unclear. But from reports, it sounds like Ranik is the one who's sort of driving the, the boat on in terms of looking ahead, sort of strategizing how United will will approach the future and sort of trying to build the team for the next few seasons. So that is at least something that I can look at and think, okay, even if we're making decisions that I disagree with. At least there's one person in charge, sort of, who's hopefully making these plans how we go into the future. So it is a bit of a mess, the Martial situation. It's, from a fan's perspective, it's, it's sad, honestly, to see that Martial's career has ended at United anyway, has probably going to end like this, you know, just thinking back to, was it 2015 or 16 when he 15, signed? I can't yeah. even remember which he one was it was. now. At, yeah. And 15, you know, the debut goal against Liverpool—that not just that day, but that whole season—is just he was so exciting to watch. And it is—it's sad, honestly. That's probably my my biggest emotion. It's just sad to to see that his career is at United is probably going to end. It's like also, this. but I've, from a footballing perspective, I can't argue with it. I think this is the absolutely the yeah, right time
0: it. It's a, it looks bad for Manchester United that yet another. Talented young players development has ended badly. Lots of players have left United in the last 10 years in the Edward Wood era and gone on to do good things elsewhere that they couldn't do at United. And we've let down lots of players' career and held them back. And yes, Marshall could have done more himself, and certainly should have done more himself, but it's also the club have a, a history with this, unfortunately. Okay, let's move on. Very quick youth loan and women's roundup. And then we'll preview the games against Brentford and West Ham. In youth news, the 23s were beaten at City. Three goals conceded in the first half, torn apart really. The front gates opened, uh, started off defending okay. But then yeah, penalty for City, James McAtee scored. Uh, and then Keiki, a £10 million Brazil Winger scored for City after Matej Kovar and Gold gave away the ball and then Oscar Bob scored in similar circumstances. Joe Hugel got one back in the second half after Shola Shurateri had won the ball back. Um, But yeah, 3-1 defeat and not a very good performance and and lots of lessons to be learned. In the FA Youth Cup though, the under-18s won uh, comfortably away at Reading and will now host Everton in the fifth round, which will be played sometime before the 5th of February at Old Trafford. Uh, when is is yet to be announced. They also had a Premier League Cup game scheduled for the weekend, but that was postponed for a, a second time at West Bromwich Albion, whose pitches are seem to be constantly frozen. In low news, Brandon Williams got a good assist for Norwich City this week in the Premier League against Everton as they beat them 2-1 and got Rafa Benitez sacked. Ethan Galbraith got an assist for Doncaster, uh, but they lost 2-1 against Wigan for whom Will Keane, ex-Academy player, scored. He's doing well. Obviously got called up to Ireland Early this year, Ted and Mengi started for Birmingham, his second start for them after starting in the cup against Plymouth, then again started against uh, Preston North End away. Nishon Bernard also started for Hull, they lost to Stoke, and Ethan Laird hasn't played for Bournemouth yet because of a slight injury. um And in terms of graduates, obviously there were Alanga and Mason in the first team, but also elsewhere, Tom Lawrence scored twice, an academy graduate, scored twice for Derby as Wayne Rooney's team got an eighth win of the season. And it is brilliant to watch what Rooney's doing with Derby. And I think there's so many people egging them on now. Um, And as for the women, great win for them. Their first game since Christmas, 5-0 against Birmingham, who had just beaten league leaders Arsenal 2-0 the week before. So good win that. Started really well. Leah Galton had a great game and and that takes United above Spurs in the WSL. Level on points with Chelsea who have a couple of games in hand and four points behind Arsenal who I think have one game in hand. But United really finding some form now. That's four clean sheets in a row, three league wins in a row, two consecutive five-nil wins and they play Arsenal in the Cup in midweek. As for United, men's team played Brentford on Wednesday in the Premier League. The rescheduled game from December... Jack, what are you expecting?
1: Brentford are a a strange team. I think they started the season so brightly and have really, I think, fallen off the the level that they were at. Defensively, they've been struggling quite a bit, but I expect still a tough game. I think the Brentford Community Stadium is is still not a particularly easy place to go. Brentford are a team that are quite aggressive in everything that they do, both on and off the ball, which is a, a recipe that United don't tend to play particularly well against having McTominay, is McTominay back from his suspension? He is, right? It was only one game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think having him back will be a big bonus just to get some extra legs into in midfield, to be honest, and him and and Fred, maybe alongside Matic, maybe just the two of them, I think, you know, are a partnership that can work well. Yeah. One thing that I would really like to see, I'm assuming Ronaldo will come back in. I I really want to see Jadon Sancho just have a run of games on the right you know, I yeah. realised when he came on yesterday that I actually don't think he's played a single game as a right winger at United yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Greenwood has played has played there pretty much every game. And when Sancho has played, it's always been on the left. He's he might have had a, a few spells on the spells, right. He's had spells,
0: yeah.
1: Like during the game, I know they've switched flanks a little bit, but it's, I mean... Again just talking about the mismanagement of, of talent. You know Sancho came in as sort of the answer to this right wing profile that we've been missing from our squad for 6 or 7 years and now he hasn't even played yeah. a, I don't think he's started a game definitely. I think right. he's
0: been playing okay recently. Yeah he has. But he's been dropped from the team. Um, I'm not sure what that's down to. I'm sure he'll be back in soon. But yeah, it'd be, be nice to see him at Brentford. And yeah, you're, you're right, it'll be tough not only because of the way Brentford play, but also this is probably, aside from the first game of the season against Arsenal, maybe the, one of the biggest games in their new stadium. Yeah. United coming to town, new stadium.
1: And you know, these, um, these midweek, night nighttime fixtures, there's just something yeah. about them that I think the atmosphere, especially yeah. when it's sort of a lower-table a lower team against a top-table team, the, the, the atmosphere is always tough. Yeah,
0: I mean, Brentford have been waiting 74 years for this, so... Seventy-five years for this, I think. So they will be, <laughs> they will be enjoying themselves on Wednesday night. I think we we might see quite a lot of changes actually, because Maguire was on the bench. For Anna Lindelof started against uh, Villa, but Maguire on the bench and fit again. So I think Maguire might come back in. We could see Sancho come back in. I, I doubt Alang will start again, especially if Ronaldo's fit again. Um, lots of possible changes, I think. And of course, yeah, McTomley and Shaw both back from injury. On the subject of fullbacks, I thought Tellis was pretty poor against, uh, against Aston Villa. I thought Dallow was okay. But again, didn't, we didn't see much from the full backs against Fela, did we?
1: Te- Tellez started yeah. the game really well. The first like 10 minutes or so, him and Ilanga and Fernandes on that left side were, were great. Yeah. And then, yeah, he just, he drifted out of the he game didn't... in an attacking sense. And defensively, I, I don't think Tellers is good enough to play as a conventional left back. I think wing back is the yeah. only position he can really play at this level.
0: He just doesn't offer those. He doesn't, what well, there's space for him to run in behind and he won't take it. And it's... Frustrating sometimes, but you can say that for lots of our players. Um, but yeah, yeah,
1: he's he's very much a player that, that wants to rely on on like crossing and, and set pieces. I think, and so that means that he he often doesn't take advantage of space in behind because he wants to stay a bit deeper and get a good at better angle for a cross. You know, he lo- he's a player that loves sort of those crosses from from deep, sort of just outside of the eighteen yard box. You know, sort of whipping them in around the front, and and you know he's very good at them, but that is a, pretty much all of his attacking game. And then defensively, he just doesn't track runners very well. Defensively, there was well, a chance that's going to be, before the first goal, I think.
0: Yeah, it's going to be key at Brentford. I mean, you're thinking what? Yeah, which players do we need to? We need people who can track runners, so that might rule out a couple of people um, Greenwood's not amazing at that wan is not great at that so you'd expect to be Dallow and Tellez isn't great at that so you expect to be sure uh, you need those legs in midfield so probably McTominay and Fred again but then how do you break Brentford down because there's this idea of them being open they play well but they're not open they do sit back against the bigger teams. so then you're looking at how are you going to break them down so you probably don't want Cavani as well as Ronaldo. Perhaps it's a time for yeah. Sancho and Van der Beek to get their chance. Um, you probably don't want Greenwood, so yeah, may, maybe it is. It is a time for somehow to have a Van der Beek, Bruno, Sancho, Ronaldo front four. Um, which, I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you go back to the four-two-three-one with Fernand McTominay deep, Fernandes at number ten. Van der on the left, maybe normally on the team sheet, Sancho on the right and Ronaldo up front. Or, you know, Fernandez and Van der Beek can sort of be interchangeable. You know, maybe you put, maybe you sort of go back to the four triple two and have Sancho sort of nominally alongside Ronaldo with him dropping a bit deeper. Ronaldo sort of trying to play off the last defender. It's it's tough cuz it's a it's a it's a full a combination of four yeah. that I like the idea of it's just tough to get them in a team together. Yeah, I
0: think so. And you know, maybe
1: the way you do it is you play Van der Beek a little bit deeper, maybe play him alongside Fred and McTominay, which you know, I think is potentially an option especially against the Brentford team that will probably sit back quite a lot. I think that's a a good option. Maybe you got McTominay and Van der Beek at the base of midfield and then maybe Elanga gets another start with Fernandes at number 10, Sancho on the right, Ronaldo up front. Yeah. I quite like that idea. Well,
0: I think it will be hard. Early goal, I'll be confident. Let's hope the, the this, trend this feels, continues sorry,
1: this, the Brentford feels like a game that could easily be three 0 to United or or it could be a really awful ninety minutes. I think if we get a goal and, and control the game early, I think yeah. you know, we could easily steamroll Brentford that's partly because of Brentford isn't it yeah exactly, exactly right? that's what I mean
0: Southampton yeah. steamrolled them. Liverpool did yeah. other teams but have, I think if you give them an in the first half
1: especially if the crowd starts getting into the game I think it could yeah. it could end up being really yeah. tricky
0: yeah you need to keep the ball well early on and hopefully get a goal but most importantly get, get that control of the game yeah so we can hope for that as for West Ham always a bit weird previewing weekend matches when there's a midweek one um, West Ham are good it's going to be hard that's all I'm going to say for now. Anything else?
1: No, it's going to be hard, and I th- not only are West Ham a good team. I think they're stylistically they they match up very well against us. I you know that just how quickly they move on the counter attack is something that we really struggle with. I think Bowen, especially on the right wing, is going to cause us all sorts yeah. of problems. He's he's, he's, so, he's well. so fun to watch, Bowen. Um, I think just the way that I had a great fact about him. Gone, this week to to get his speed up,
0: he trained in his I think his granddad's potato fields, <laughs> and he said it's like running in sand. But if sand was much heavier and like Jeez. so so basically you're running in there and you're going really slowly, and then as soon as you get out on a really nice grass pitch, then suddenly it feels really easy. Which is the same idea as um, Stanley Matthews from the fifties. He used to wear yeah. firstly he'd train in weighted boots that were like weighted down and then on the way to games he'd wear really heavy shoes and then wear them all the time until just before he went out and then he'd t- change into these really like custom made light boots that would break really <laughs> like after like three or four games he was the only player in England to wear them um, and then he changes them but when he went out on the pitch suddenly everything felt light as a cloud so he was absolutely rapid even when he was maybe
1: that's what uh, 44 maybe that's what United should be doing whenever we have a couple of weeks yeah. off instead of these Warm weather training camps in Dubai. Maybe we should potato be uh, going to potato in, fields. Yeah,
0: let's all head to Cork. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I Core think I that. think West Ham would be a, a very a very tough game. I think if if we come out there with yeah. a win, we've done well. Um, so def- yeah, defensively, I think you know, I think West Ham can be got at. They obviously just conceded three goals to Leeds, so who've really been struggling all season. So yeah, you know, I don't think it's a game that's uh, where we're going to struggle to create and struggle to score. But defensively, I do worry. I think in some ways, actually, I think the, uh, maybe the best strategy for us in the game, the best tactics would actually be to try and play on the counter-attack. Because I think in an odd way, the more control that we have over that game, the more worried I am about West Ham. I think if you, if you can shut down the space for West Ham to attack in, I think their, their ability to create chances goes down massively. But if you give them space, especially on the counter-attack with Bowen, Antonio, Fornals running at you, then you're in serious trouble. Yeah,
0: yeah. It'll be interesting. That should be a good game. Two teams with good managers yeah. and some players in form, some not. But yeah, we'll see. And a Saturday, 3 pm, an absolute I treat.
1: Mean, talking about holding midfielder, Harry, as well. We can do some scouting of Declan Rice. So he might yeah. be the best candidate for that role. Yeah.
0: yeah. I fear he's a better version of Scott McTominay and not what not exactly what we need in that holding role. But he is he's obviously brilliant. But I fear he is an improved McTominay, not a uh, uh, exactly the profile we need. But we shall see. United are certainly interested him; in that, that seems clear. But we'll wrap up there. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I think Go for on.
1: England, he's, for England, I think he does a bit more of the holding role. For West yeah. Ham, he is very much a box to box midfielder. But for England, when he's been playing alongside Calvin Phillips, I think he's proven he can play a bit more of that holding role. It's just whether that's his natural game.
0: Yeah, or it, or it would be. seem a, he's doing that box to box role so well for West Ham. He just, yeah, he looks, yeah. yeah, he just looks amazing playing that. Um, and he's stepped up so much. He has got so much better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, I, mean, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't
1: actually rate him that much that, to be honest, when he first burst onto no, the neither. scene, I, I didn't really get the hype. I just thought he was a bit too, he was too limited on the ball for me. He was just sort of a yeah. big bruiser of a midfielder, but he's improved on the ball so much. yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we're going to go to our Patreon Q and A for information about how to sign up to become a patron for about pound fifty a month. You can listen to our bonus Q and As every week. Go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there for information about that. For Jack's thoughts throughout the week on the Brentford game and anything else, you can follow him on Twitter at
1: at UTD Tate T-A-I-T
0: and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and as I say the podcast itself at UTD weekly pod P-O-D at the end there thanks for listening enjoy the Brentford game enjoy the West Ham game and have a great week otherwise goodbye okay patrons few questions to answer um so let's rattle through them Corey Lennox we'll start with you Corey uh first just a general um point on the game he says Alanga brilliant Greenwood truly belongs in the middle Sports Social Podcast Network